Welcome in. Thank you so much for joining us. My name is Chris. I'm the host of the CCA Cal podcast. Today, we've got a very special guest, Mr. Sean Roberts, brand new owner of The Pride. Sean, good to see you, man. Yeah, definitely. How's it going? Good, man. Good. I know uh, we're super lucky to have you on the podcast today. I know you're a brand new boat owner, really busy guy. And um, yeah, super grateful for uh, for you to be here today. Yeah, definitely. Good to help you guys out and help us out at the same time. For sure, man. For sure. Well, let's uh, let's get started here. I know you from the Fortune. Um, you know, not not terribly long ago, but give us a little bit of background about yourself. What uh, what's Sean Roberts all about? Well, I, I started fishing when I was, you know, I don't know, ten or eleven years old, and then just kind of from the first trip, I went out on a on a trip. I think it was on the Western Pride, and uh, from there on out, it was like told my parents this is what I was going to do, and they always used to tell me as a kid, they're like, oh, you're going to get over it. Well. At this point, I don't think that's that's going to happen. But <laughs> that's pretty much that's pretty much my story. I mean, I I just I just, I started when I was younger, and literally all I've done for my entire life. That's awesome, man. And then you uh, eventually went on to to be second on the fortune, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah, like I I've I've been around in the, the first half of my sport fishing career was kind of a a kind of a blur just kind of like working here and there and everywhere but the last half of kind of settled down i worked on the san diego for three or four years um i had my license there but there was a i don't there wasn't much chance there was a couple guys ahead of me to run the boat and ultimately i just i i wanted to move up and i then i went and i worked on the coral sea uh, running at relief a couple, three days a week and then working deck a couple days a week. And then, uh, from there, uh, Bruce gave me a call so that he needed a guy to come and help him out for the next year or two till he eventually sold it. And yeah, I went there and pretty much helped him out as a second for the, for the, for the, for the, for like a few trips in the, the end of 2020 and then 2021, I'd say I, I was on that thing every trip and probably ran that thing 80% of the time there. And then he sold it to Jeff Walker. And then at that point, I kind of just filled in running boats here and there, helped out Tucker up north and here and there, wherever. And the opportunity came up on the Pride and me and my partner, Mike, jumped on it. It was a good deal and I thought it'd be a great boat to have up here. I, I'm not too, not too, uh, stoked on the whole San Diego fishery down there. It's, I, I, I feel like it's a, it's a really big feast or famine, but, uh, I, I just think the opportunities up here are gonna, are gonna be in our favor more so with this boat as down South. So. Yeah, that, that kind of makes sense. I mean, the pride we'll, we'll get to that in a, in a second here, but I mean, that, that kind of makes sense where San Diego, you're either going out and you're, you're, you're just kicking ass or you're just, you know, it's, it's tough. It's really tough um, to kind of make it down because you have so much competition in San Diego. Cause it's, you know, one of the sport fishing capitals of the world. That totally makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously if we were out of sea, you know, the boat was out of Seaforth and it had a decent following with Jason on there. And I mean, I'm sure if we would have just, you know, kept it like came up here and ran and then went down there in the summer, I'm sure we would have kept a decent amount of his groups that like booking down in San Diego, but we've, we've honestly picked up a lot of them and I think we'll do just fine up here. I, it's just, I like fishing up here personally more too. I like the opera. I, I just, I kind of like the options. I like being able, Oh, the bluefin, aren't biting okay well let's go to clementi and catch yellows oh the yellows aren't biting well let's go in tight and catch calicos or the sea bass are biting at the channel islands and we have a two-day trip we can go do that it's just a lot of different opportunity different options and not stuck in one mindset and one game plan you know that when you put it that way that actually is a really good point where you've got so many different options you're not necessarily glued or committed either way to the bluefin down south or the yellowfin whenever they show up (laughs) you kind of have different, different options for different species. And it's probably going to make life pretty interesting for you. Yeah. 
yeah, it's, I mean, it's just, you know, if, if, and then if once that bluefin starts biting it again, and it's 80% of the time that it is biting, it's up here off of San Clemente or out at the Tanner or at the Cortez. And we're actually, I believe from the, from the Tanner, we're 25 miles closer from San Diego then San Diego. And then I think that Cortez is like 10 or 15 miles closer. And then obviously San Clemente is probably about 30 miles closer from the West end there. So it's, I mean, and then when that yellowfin does get up here, if it comes up here and starts biting and there's Dorado on kelps, that border corner down there is, it's only about 70 miles from us and we have easy access to getting permits and all that. So, I mean, if that's going on and it's red hot, we can do it. It's, a little it's basically just like going to the tanner bank going down to that border corner but i mean it's just like i said it's just we just have more options up here if if the group wants to go catch a sea bass we have seven different islands that we have access to if it's longer than an overnight trip and they want to catch a yellowtail seven different islands it's not like going down there to san diego where not not ragging on it at all but it's it's just it's difficult to get a charter group together that has permits and passports and get all the visas and all that stuff taken care of if one guy doesn't have a passport they either tell him to stay home or you can't go to the islands it's just the way it is with the laws and logistics of of running trips down there you know oh yeah for sure and you know when it comes to mexico fishing in mexico is absolutely just bonkers but at the same time it takes it takes a lot of work when consider all the permits and the fmms if you want to go to the islands or even just fish along the beach too yeah yeah it's not even the islands it's if that fish is within 12 miles of any kind of island then there you go everyone's got to have an fmm everyone's got to have a passport everyone's got to have uh mexican permits and you know it's not that it's not doable they do it and they do a great job down there it's just i feel that this boat has an opportunity which it's never been up. I, I don't personally, I don't think the boat's ever, ever been up here. I know it was the Orion before the pride and not quite sure what it was before the Orion, but at least in the last 20 years, it hasn't been up here. And the, with how quiet that we have a John Deere in there and the motor is actually quieter than our generator. So if we might be getting something set up with like an inverter where we can shut off our generator and run basically just kind of black kind of like blacked out with zero sound i i think that that boat has an op opportunity especially if the sea bass bites at catalina uh like it used to five ten years ago i just with the with everything that it can do and everything that it still will be able to do i i think it's a good opportunity to just to start a start fresh with a with a boat that has a good shell I was just about to say that uh, that stealth mode is what I call it. That's uh, that's going to come in handy when it's uh, when the sea bass come around for sure. Yeah. Awesome. Well, since we're kind of talking about the boat, tell us a little bit about uh, your brand new boat, man. Tell us about the pride. Well, it's a uh, on the COI. It's I, I believe it's a 40, 43 foot boat, but um, it's technically a 50 footer. Uh, it's a custom built boat. Um, kind of kind of shaped like a seaway like the endeavor it's like a small and basically like a small endeavor or smaller aztec much quieter it's got a it's got one motor and one screw it's a single screw boat <clears throat> uh, but we still cruise at eight or nine knots um so we don't really lose too much on our speed but we're a lot more efficient um they are tier three motor and generator in them so once this actually, if this carb thing goes down, uh, if it were to pass, hopefully it doesn't, but it, 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 if it does, we'll be able to still run our business as per the, the, the laws and the regulations that I've read into it so, uh, so far. So that's good. Um, the bunk room was redone a few years ago, as well as the galley. Um, we have 18 bunks for crew or for passengers. Um, we have bunks down the middle where if you bring any less than 18, say if you bring 15, then I can make three extra double bunks for you, for anybody, or if there's a couple or an older gentleman or older lady that has a hard time, they can have a double bunk. We have dividers in the bunks, but we have covers that basically make it make two bunks one. Um, it's got an updated fish hold has a 25 scoop slammer. I believe we can hold a hundred scoops in our top two bait tanks, really low to the deck. 
you're not reaching up and over soaking your shirt trying to get bait it's really low to the deck uh and yeah i mean the galley can seat i, th I think max in the galley is 12s it's not a giant galley but most of our groups are you know eight to 14 people max we have a, a few groups that'll probably bring more but um yeah i mean it's got updated sonar as of last year brand new sonar uh fairly new up and down electronics watch alarm for safety all all that good stuff awesome that's a, that's awesome man it's uh i bet you know just i think you closed the first of the year or something like that so you're pretty new but i bet you're i bet anything you're super stoked on it right now yeah i mean honestly we would just wanna, we just want to get we're we're in the process of right now with uh uh just ba basically deep cleaning the boat there's not too much that that we have to do to it we might have to rebuild a a couple a couple pumps or something like that replace a running light nothing major we need to get an upgraded chain and anchor chain and anchor on on that thing was not up to par with fishing the islands every day up here so we're going to do need to do that but it's really not knock on wood there's not too much work that we need to do to it we just need to we, we need to finish deep cleaning the boat, deep clean the bunk room, uh, get it, get it to where it needs to be. But we're, we're probably not doing too much to it. We, we might actually even be throwing on some like reverse day and a half trips in February targeting Catalina for sea bass. I, I know there's already been a little bit caught, a little bit of halibut caught. So we might put some weekend reverse day and a half trips up in February just to, just to start running the boat, you know, but we're looking forward to that as well for the possibility of maybe putting some of those trips online in February there. Excellent. That's pretty cool, man. Um, I know I, I can't remember if we already mentioned <laughs> but you guys are going to be running out of 22nd street landing in San Pedro, right? Yeah. Yeah. We're at a 22nd street. We're on that first main dock, right. Uh, basically right in front there. Uh, and we'll be there year. We'll be there all year. The only time that we might be anywhere else down the road is if uh, the unicorns of the sea return. And if that happens and it's it's down south only, then uh, we might possibly run down there during the summertime um, if we just can't run up here and the albacore manage to come back finally and they're biting. We can do that. Then we might run down there, but for the foreseeable future the boat will be out of 22nd street for the rest of its life with us at least very cool man very cool so full time out of 22nd street we kind of already went over all the different opportunity up there to where you know with all the different islands and um and obviously it's many with the bluefin whenever they come um that, that's gonna be awesome. that's gonna be a really cool setup yeah that i think that that bluefin and well not think it's i was talking to a few guys there's already an astronomically high volume down off of san off of san Quentin. that was like a that was like a i think three weeks ago so um from my understanding i don't think it's going to take very long for the saners to get their quota um with them are already seeing seems like the last four years it's been two weeks earlier every year is two weeks earlier and then this year a major volume of it already showed up off of san Quentin. I know that there was already some out out on the banks there still. Um, I'm not 100 percent certain if that's still there. I have I've been out out of the loop for a little bit, but I know that they were seeing just a tremendous amount of volume of all different sizes down off of San Quentin. So I mean, as long as our water, as long as not, nothing changes with our bait with our bait situation and our water structure or anything like that, I would imagine that that stuff will be up on those banks by no later than you know june or july so i i mean you mix that with our opportunity at sea bass and yellows at nick or sbi or catalina or up at rosa or santa cruz catalina you mix that with that it should make for ample opportunity for our groups to have a good trip very cool so with you know i think we've talked about it before where you know 15 guys is kind of your sweet spot for the pride are you guys going to be primarily a charter boat or are you going to be running some open party trips too? We're going to, I mean, we're setting ourselves as a charter boat. We've got, I believe we have, we have 85 days of charter already 
in the, in the books for this coming year. We're, I think that we only have two or three weekends left between May and October. Um, so we're, we're, we're basing ourselves as a charter boat, but obviously if, if we have a day off or if there's a gap in our schedule, we'll definitely be doing op- open parties there. And, uh, we will be thrown up shortly here, hopefully by the end of February or beginning of February, end of February there. We'll be throwing up some like limited load two day trips, um, like probably limited load to 15 or 16 people, meals included trips, um, with the opportunity of basically doing and doing anything. Like I was saying, you can fish bluefin, then the next day you could be fishing sea bass um, with what the possibilities are for what the season's looking like so far. But we will have some open parties if the freedom is sold out and we have a, we have two or three days off and they're sold out for two or three days and we'll probably have a few one day trips online. It'll just, those will be more last minute. Just if the, if the freedom sells out and we have a day off, then we'll put the boat online, but we will have a little bit of a set schedule, hopefully in February with open party trips. And once we get those up, we'll get them on our website, which our website should be finished here in the next couple of weeks. We're hoping, um, Chad from sport fishing reports, taking care of it for us. Uh, so we should have that. It's going to be a fully interactive website. You're going to be able to book a, you're going to be able to book a trip, see if we're, see if we're chartered, see if we're open party. You're going to be able to book a charter right there on the website. It's going to be pretty cool. Um, but yeah, to answer your question, we're, we're primarily focusing on the charter business. We're hoping by not this year, but next year, 2023, that we're 95% charter. So. Awesome. And out of those, you know, 82 days, are they mainly going to be day and a half, two days? Like what's your schedule going to be like? Most of them, I'd say half are one days. And then I'd say the other half so far for what we have is we have a lot of uh, two days, a couple, two and a halves, but it's, it's mostly primarily, I, I, I'd say half one days and then half two days and two and a halves. We have a few, a few day and a halves, but. I haven't really been pushing those too much just because for a charter boat, it, it, you lose a day. Like granted the fishing groups and the, and the people who are charting the boat really like the day and a halves. Like if I was going to go fishing on a boat, a day and a half is perfect. You get a full, you know, you get a full day and especially you might get an extra night for that tuna if, if you know, if they're biting at night, but from our standpoint, it's uh we're really straying away from booking day and a half trips, especially on the weekend if it's a weekday trip in the spring or late fall, we'll definitely do it. But if it's in May to October, we're really, we're really trying to just do overnights and two day trips. That makes sense for sure. I mean, that day and a half great for the customer, <laughs> kind of bad for the boat. Cause you lose that day. It's brutal. Yeah. Yeah. If, if it I mean, if it's a weekday, we're doing them, you know, but I'm really trying to shy away from on a weekend I've got a couple groups that I've given weekend weekend day and a half to just because I've known them for a really long time. But we were actually fortunate enough on a couple of them to book a full day trip to kind of fill in the gap there. But yeah, I mean, we're primarily shooting for that that overnight to two day stuff. We do do we will have uh, day and a halves and two and a halves, especially in the beginning of the year and towards the end of of the year, especially when that like late fall stuff happens. Like two and a half days perfect because you can. You know the bluefin limits only two. You catch your two bluefin, and then it's like, well, what do you do now? And you can go to Clementi and fish yellows and bass. Uh, you can go anchor up in shallow on the bank and catch and catch yellows and bonita and and cod and things like that. But we're primarily really really uh, pushing that one to two day trip. Um, and I'd, I'd say we're about fifty fifty on what on what we have one day to two day, maybe a handful of day and a house, but not too many. Excellent. That's awesome, man. And obviously two of those trips that you've got chartered are actually going to be with us at CCA um, on our LA chapter. We've got a overnight leaving June 11th to the 12th on the pride. And, uh, yep. and you're also going to be in charter challenge too. We're super stoked on that. Yeah, that's, that'll be some, that, that'll be some a little bit different. I've definitely never, definitely never ran a boat during some kind of tournament or challenge, but that, but that'll be fun. It'll be good for the, good for the good. It'll be good for the group. Good for the people, good for the causes that they promote and all that. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, let's, uh, let's change gears here and, uh, go into kind of like what, what your, uh, what your favorites are, what, you know, if you had to pick what kind of trip that you're taking, what's your favorite style of fishing, man? Do you like to go after the big stuff in the bluefin or are you more kind of a bass guy? Like what's, what's your bread and butter? I mean, I would honestly, I, I know, I know a lot of people are, a lot of our, our groups that have been asking me, they've been saying, Oh, I've heard you're a sea bass guy. And it's well, like I like fishing sea bass, obviously when they're biting, I like to really take advantage of it when, when, when they're biting. Cause there's four days that follow that where they don't bite. Um, I'd say, honestly, I like to do it all. I'm, I'm not, I'm kind of like your all around fisherman. I, I'm, I'm not some guy who's like, Oh, if we're not catching yellowtail, I'm just not having a good time. Like I can get in the kelp and up on a boiler and catch bass. That's, that's fun. I can do leadhead squid bass fishing at night at San Clemente. That's always fun. Uh, you know, sea bass, if the sea bass are biting, I kind of like it all, but if, and then, I mean, if that bigger tuna is biting and you have a group that can actually handle them, like if you have a group that actually came prepared with the right gear and they're biting at night or biting jigs and stuff like that, that's always fun. The kite bites are cool. It's the kites, that, that whole big fish kite fishing thing though. You just, you really have to have a group that truly wants to do it. It's, if you have one or two guys in your group where they're just like, this is stupid and I don't want to sit here and watch one person fight a fish, then it just doesn't work out. Like, you know, you, you, you have to make the group happy. And that's one thing that I like about charter fishing because say the sea bass are biting or say the bluefin are biting somewhere. And they're like, no, we just want to go catch calico bass. I think that's pretty cool because it it's, you're not, you're, you know, you're not like, Oh, if we don't go catch blue bluefin, we're just, you know, we're not going to be happy. It's this, like we have groups that are just happy on just catching calico bass on the kelp all day long, maybe catch GL still. And that's fine. But I, I guess if I was to say one thing that I, I actually love doing or enjoy doing more so than the other is I kind of really like Island fishing, which is another reason why I wanted to bring the boat up here. It's, I like Island fishing. I, I, I like figuring out struct, you know, structure and current and conditions and, it starts at making bait at night, catching squid at night. And then you catch the squid at night and you kind of know you're in, you're most likely in the right area and you figure out that. And then if it's not biting in the morning, then if you're at Catalina, then you figure out what, when the, when the next tide swing is, which way is the current going at each spot and you fish different beaches here and there. But I like the, you know, when they bite, they're stupid, but it's the, it's the whole finding them thing. I'm, I like, I like just the whole Island deal, sea bass, squid, yellows on squid. I kind of like that whole type of deal. Pretty cool. I mean, there's very, there's something to be said about that where it's super enjoyable to where if you go fish the Island, it's almost like, and it's kind of a sense of hunting, right? So it's like, you got to look for that structure. You got to see, you know, it's almost like a checklist where, you're looking at different structure and your different spots, but at the same time, fish move around. So you never know what, what's going to happen and what Clemente's going to treat to you or, or Catalina or any of the islands. Yeah. It's like we had a bite at San Nick last year on the yellows and there was like four days in a row where the current was going one way and the yellows were biting a certain, a certain way. And then we show up there on the, like, it's like day five or something. And the current's going the complete opposite direction. And the fish are on the wrong side of the reef where they're supposed to be. And it, it like no one really figured it out until the bite was already kind of slowing down like around 9 a.m. But it's just things like that where it's like you nothing is guaranteed, nothing is for sure, and nothing is the same as the day before, which is kind of it's stressful, I guess you could say from an operator standpoint, when you're like, Well, they should be here. They were here the last five or four or five days, and now all of a sudden now we now we have to go do something different because that they're not where they should be, but it's kind of stressful from a, from a point like that. But then when you, once you figure it out and you find it, then it just kind of, it kind of makes it worth a little bit more than just going to the same spot and finding them where that they had been as opposed to, Oh, they're not here anymore. And now you have to go figure out something completely different on a trip when you only, or you say you're only on a a one day trip and you have three or four hours to figure it out, but then you do. And it, it just, that whole, that whole deal is, 
kind of pretty and pretty enjoyable, I'd say from like an operator standpoint. Yeah. It's almost like when, once you start figuring stuff out at the islands or wherever, it's almost kind of like a sense of accomplishment. Yeah. 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 It's not just like driving, not, you know, not saying anything. There's excellent tuna fishermen out there, you know, they haven't figured out. They have, there's, there's, there's guys that literally have them dialed in to where that they can obviously fishing, fishing and things can change, but they can pretty much tell you where these fish are at, at any given time. Like even that, like the islands down there, like Ryan Bostin on the, on the San Diego, like I worked there for three or four, three, you know, three or four years. And there was multiple times where he was like, we would go somewhere and the fish wouldn't be there. And he would just say in like two hours, they'll be over here. And you're like, okay. And then you get over there, you're not catching anything. You're getting like one here, one there. And then you set up on SKR down below South Island and the current's going the way that he had said that it was going to be going and you catch 150 yellowtail. And it's just like, well, obviously that that's <clears throat> obviously, you know, he's, you know, he, guys like that have been doing a, re a really long time, but it's still something to say for someone that can literally pinpoint a fish and say where it should be. And, and then it's actually there, you know? Yeah, that, that, that's pretty cool. <laughs> that's a cool story, man. I, uh, I, I've never met Booger. I've heard a lot about him and I know all the stories about him and all that stuff. He, he seems pretty cool. Yeah, no, they all, basically all those boats down there are all the guys running them. Mostly now they're, they either have done it for a, a long time or they've worked with someone who has been doing it for a, a, you know, a really long time, like Taro on the Liberty he worked under Booger for a long time. He was even running the boat for, I think, the last couple of years. And then Booger and then now Matt is running it a lot. And he worked, He's I think he's been there for 10 or ten or 12 years. And then, uh, like, Alec on the Grande, he worked under uh, Mike Schmidt on the Malahini for a lot of years. And all those guys, they just, they just, they have that whole situation dialed in. And once you have it to that point to where you have it kind of dialed in, like obviously it's like there's days where they see them and they just don't bite. But if there's fish there, they know where they're at and they know where, where, where they're going to be. When, when, when you're dialed into something at that point, that's kind of where you, you just know that you have it figured out. And that's pretty cool, you know? Absolutely. For sure. And, you know, it kind of going back to, to your point where, you know, on your charters and only having 15 guys on your boat, ideally, that kind of opens up the door for all kinds of unique trips and, and I'm sure pretty unique requests as well. I, I guess, you know, having 15 guys, only 15 guys on, on a boat, that's kind of a, a good news for, for both parties to where, you know, 15 guys, it's not very hard or difficult to fill a, fill a boat of 15 guys. And then for you, I mean, you, you've got typically all those guys are going to be all on the same page, more or less. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're either all going to be on the same page <laughs> or they're going to be none of them on the same page, but there's only 10 of them that we have to teach up. So it's like, I mean, <laughs> it's kind of, it'll kind of go both like both ways. Like a lot of our groups, I've, I've, I, well, I'd say 80% of the groups that we have on, on the books for this year, I've known them for, a long either a long time or it feels like a long time and their majority of them have all fished together for years and they all work together and that's another thing with the whole charter business like i am i have nothing against open party you know it's it's very profitable and it's it's and it's fun to have a diverse group here like here and there but that's another thing with the whole like charter boat thing is you can pretty much bank on everyone that's on that on that trip most likely knows everybody, everybody knows each other. And it's, it makes for a much more enjoyable trip, whether it's, whether the fish are biting or they're not biting. It's, it's nice having everybody know each other because they can all talk to each other by the first names and they kind of know what they, what they like. And, you know, er everyone can eat dinner at the same time because everyone knows each other. And it's like, it's much more enjoyable from, an owner and operator standpoint to be able to fish with mostly groups that know each other. Cause it's uh, I mean, and just like, just like, just like you're saying, you can do whatever you want. Like I have groups that are requesting for uh, towards the end of next year, like uh, some like lobster, lobster uh, fishing combo trips. And uh, like, we might do some of that, like go mm -hmm. to Catalina for a day and a half trip 
or, you know, or fish yellows and then fish lobster. I'm even thinking about doing some, I know it's kind of really oddball. There's, there's some other things that we're going to have in the works for next year. I got to make sure that it's legal first. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> there's a lot of, there's no one's done it before, so I don't know why. So if it's legal, there might be some things in the works for next fall and winter that could be enjoyable for people that like lobster. So there's that as well. We might be, there might be some stuff for people who enjoy doing lobster and having a chance at a yellowtail or a bluefin at the same time. Gosh, that'd be a, that'd be a super unique trip for sure. Lobster. Yeah. I just, yeah, I, just I, I, no one's really done it. So I don't know if it's legal. I'm still trying to, I've been in contact with the fishing game and I'm, I'm still, I'm just making sure in, if it is, and we get it dialed in, uh, there'll be some of those trips on the books. There'll be some groups that are going to charter, but we'll also maybe throw on some open parties like day and a half lobster combo fish trips. That's cool, man. That's really cool. Uh, you know, when it comes to nowadays, especially with all this COVID stuff and people wanting their circles to be even tighter nowadays, I've been, I've been kind of watching the fleet a little bit and, you know, when, when the COVID reg, regs came out last year, um, or I'm sorry, in 2020 about limited loads and, and all that stuff, I don't really see us going back to way, to the way it used to be. I mean, the, the San Diego, for example, I mean, I've seen 60 people on there. I don't really see 60 more people going there. And so I think as a result, the pride and other, and other smaller boats. I know the Cortez is, is a little bit of a smaller boat too. It, I think there's going to be a huge market for those kind of boats where it's manageable, where you can, you, you know, 15 guys who fish, you just got to call them and, and set up the date. I think there's a big market for that. Yeah. It, it comes in handy for the aspect of say our operating costs on the pride aren't as much as what, other boats maybe i mean they're still astronomically high for what it is being in the state of california but comparison to other boats um for what we would be charging obviously this year for our for our first year rates they're a little bit lower we just want to get people on the boat but for the future i mean even if we even if the prices are a little bit higher in the next in the in the coming years after this first season it's still lot more manageable than a lot of boats would be and yeah you I mean even if you bring 10 guys if you bring 10 guys for the rates that we have it's still not astronomically high um and i mean obviously it's really easy to get 10 you know 10 guys like a lot of our groups are only bringing eight to eight to ten guys so like yeah it's it's really nice that you you don't have to have a lot of people it's it makes it easy with that because it's like yeah, you can bring 18, but you don't have to. If you have 18, if you have if you have 18 buddies, or you have a big group and you're like, we always like to go fishing, we don't care if it's a little more cramped, you know, that's fine. We can take 18. It's it's not a big deal. We're legally allowed to take 18. We have bunks for 18, and that's the way it is. But if you but if you either like fishing with a smaller group or you can only get eight or nine people, it's still financial, it's still financially uh you're still fine, you're still financially capable of doing the trip and you're not going to be like, Oh, Hey, Sean, sorry. I can only get eight guys when the boat takes 20 or 30 or, or something like that. It's obviously, it's not going to be, you're not going to be able to financially be, be able to do it. But on a boat like ours, you have all these different options and then throw on the fact where it's, it's a lot easier for people to be able to afford it on top of all the limited load with a lot of guys doing it. I mean, it, it makes it really nice. And I would say there are going to be a few boats upping their loads probably in the future, but I think there's going to be a vast amount of the boats sticking with like this whole, this whole limited load thing. Cause you've kind of, it makes it a little bit more expensive and fishing's already insanely high for the past, for the average passenger to go. It's just absolutely crazy how much everything costs and fuel and food and, and gratuity and fish cleaning and the ticket. It, it, it's pretty crazy, but we're finding out that everybody just like the fishing industry as a whole is growing at the extremely high pace. Like when I was fishing back in the day, as a kid, like I was thought as like a reject, like, you know, like you go to school and you're like, Oh, you fish. Oh, you're weird. But it's like, now it's like, 
oh, you fish? Oh, I fish too. Hey, let's go fishing. And it's like everybody actually fishes. It's like a, it's like a thing, like Salty Crew and all these different little companies that started up with the beginning of the first El Nino. The, like the, I believe it was like 2014 or 2015. And it was fishing as an industry is going up. Like the amount of people that like to do it, the amount of people that can't afford to do it. And the, and the fishery as a whole is pretty healthy. The, the future is bright for this whole industry, I believe, as long as, as long as the state doesn't come in and slap our wrist anymore. Yeah, that's, that's a really good point. And, you know, from that 2015 crazy year when we're catching freaking Wahoo off, off the point there, um, it, it, it's especially with 2020 and the pandemic, we had a huge increase in fishing license sales and all that and in popularity as well. I think it's only going to get better um, from here on out. Yeah, I mean, you're getting a ton of people buying their own boats and skiffs just to go out and fit fish until they realize how much of a pain in the ass it is to actually maintain their boat. And then they, they, you know, there's a ton of people that have their own private boats. And then, and at the same time, those people that have their own private, you know, private boats, they still go spend money on a sport boat because from time to time, they just like to be able to go out and not have to do any of the work after and all that stuff. And then there's the people that can't afford, a, you know, their own boat. And then they go on the sport boats. And then, and then there's people that, just are just random tourists like say they're coming from texas and they're like they just look up a, a boat and they're like oh wow that looks cool and then they do that so you have you have the you have the tourists that have always been there you have the increased amount of people that fish over the last probably 10 years now five to ten years and then you have the people that are continually continually like getting into the sport it's you know i think that the future is very bright for the fishing industry and you'll see it even at like the local like lakes for like trout fishing. Like I used to do that a lot and it, it's insane. You have to like, like the say that say like Lake Dixon stocks trout on a Wednesday, you have to go there and be in there at like 7 PM the night before just to get a decent spot on a weekday. When like 10 years ago, there'd be like five guys there on like that day of the week. Now there's, 150 cars in line by midnight so it's like that right there shows the increase in like just that right there is like a, it's yes it's 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 not on the sport boats and it's not salt water and it's not you know all that but that's a part of that whole increase in fishing license sales and that right there shows that we're in an uptrend on this whole industry as long as we can continue to legally run it's just going to get better and better yeah and that, that's a good point where you kind of brought it up a little bit earlier with the carb deal going on right now, you know, have you having a tier three engine that certainly helps for sure. But the whole, you know, <laughs> obviously a tier four engine, we've said it plenty of times before tier four engine for a boat doesn't really exist right now. And yes. not to mention, you're asking us to do it within less than two years in 2023. It, it I mean, it doesn't seem feasible. Yeah, no, it's a, uh from what I understood from the rhetoric, from the letters and all the, all the info that I have, if you have a tier three motor, yes, they are requesting you in 2023 to do it. But I think you have three extensions, um, which would push you to, I believe 2032 or something like that. Um, and then if that kind of stays in play, that's fair, which I think that a lot of, uh, I, I, I think with the way that, that a lot of this stuff has happened in the, in, in the past, everyone's saying, Oh, it's not going to pass. There's no way. It's like, honestly, unfortunately, I, I hate to be the Debbie Downer here, but it's like with everything that our state does, I don't see any reason why they don't pass this. They don't care anything about what a hundred, you know, what 400 people say at a meeting, they just, they do what they want to do. They have their own agendas and it's just the way it is. But if you, if, you know, if you get that extension until 2028 or 2030 or 2032, Either A, you're going to get someone else in office that has a completely different view and will just basically get rid of that law. Or in 10 or 12 years, they actually have the technology where it's not, where it's actually feasible for a boat to put that in. And then the state, hopefully, like they do with in the past with 
purchasing motors and giving them the boats in exchange for the for the current motors that are on the boats that whole that whole system that they have hopefully it goes in that direction and i think that there's a very good chance that things could happen like that where they pass it they give a decent amount of time for you to either do it yourself or the law gets revoked or they actually have that tier that tier four motor and it's actually feasible to put into the boat and hopefully that that's how it that's the direction that it goes yeah and you know there to be to give credit with the where credits due, the whole fleet especially with the leadership with sack and and all those other guys you know over time the whole fleet are upgrading to these tier three motors and and maybe even tier twos and out there so over time we are getting cleaning cleaner engines over time they're just asking us to basically speed up that 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 timeline yeah i mean the reasoning for why they're doing this is absolutely absurd but the for if you think of it if you like if if you actually had the reasoning that and the and the and the research that we have as people who have done this business and been in this in, in industry for 20 30 40 years if you if if we were to actually go on there and be like hey we agree with you we do need to get rid of these tier basically tier nothing and tier one motors that they do they you know they're obviously not good whether it's for the passengers in the bunk room with the exhaust or you know over like over time yeah if these tier twos and tier threes are easily accessible then yeah you probably should do it but the the direction that they're going is just like in a, a an accelerated pace like like you're either going to do tier four or nothing but the way that i've read it it seems like they're going to give time as long as you get up to those tier two tier threes there's like certain there's a certain amount of extensions that you get for each one. If you have a tier two, it's less. If you have a tier three, you have more time to get the tier four because if that showed that you were willing to, to, to do what they had basically said before they said it, then I think it could work out. But like I said, we are dealing with California, so you never really know the hidden agendas and the things that they could pull just by signing a, a law, by signing a bill into law. Then, I mean, it, you know, you never really know. That is very true with California. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's they could say one thing and then basically turn it around and say, "Oh yeah, here's the here's in the in the fine print. You guys are all done." I mean, hope, hopefully, it's not something like that. I think that they're just wanting to go towards a certain direction in the whole emissions, and I think it'll all work out. Hopefully, I hope so too, man. For sure. Speaking of motors. How do you feel about a single screw? <laughs> it's a little bit different driving. Um, mm -hmm. I've only ex I've I've only driven one twice. I drove, I drove, uh, I drove one like around a harbor, and then I drove that boat up the coast. And you know it's it's different, but I it's just I've once I get the hang of it, it's it, you know it's not a big deal. The whole where we park at there at 22nd street, it's on that, it's on that long finger and the way that the pride, it backs up and goes forward and, uh, to, to starboard basically. So it, no, no matter which way you're turning, it's going to go to starboard. Um, so we're going to, you know, we tie up on that, on that starboard side. That's the whole difficulty. I think that learning curve of handling and like getting on spots and things like that, but it's not a big deal. I actually, starting to like it a little bit more because it's a lot more efficient, you know, one motor and only one motor burning fuel. So it's actually nice from that aspect. And it's honestly not that much slower. I mean, it's maybe a knot, maybe a knot to a knot in a, a knot and a quarter slower than most averages, which really isn't that much. For sure. I remember the first time I was driving a single screw, you know, a couple of years ago and all that. And there was a learning curve, but I mean, it took maybe a trip and a half or so. And other than that, super simple. Yeah. It's just, it's just basically an oversized skiff. I mean, that's really all it is. It's just, you just have to realize that you can't split them and turn which way you want to turn. You just have to, every which way you go, you have to set up like you can't go the other way, basically. Excellent. Awesome, man. Well, 
I know we got to get you out of here pretty shortly here, but do you have any kind of message to any of your future charter groups or, um, you know, any, any kind of beginning of 2022 uh, outtake or, or message for, uh, for all of us here? Um, I mean, you know, but the dates are going fast. We hope to see any new uh, groups out there. Um, if you want to give us a, a shot, you know, you can give us, you can uh, either call 22nd Street Landing or, you can give me a call directly um, at 949-793-5128. Uh, we'll also have our, we'll have our website up and running here, hopefully in the next couple of weeks. And I believe it'll just be pridesportfishing.com. Um, and honestly, with everything, how everything's going, I mean, it's a lot more, there's a lot more squid around this year than there has been in years past, a little bit further south. It's not all up at the, challenge like yeah there's there's a good amount up there and up in monterey and things like that but there's been a, a pretty good amount at catalina there's been squid at san clemente there's been squid out out of the out, out out on the tanner and the cortez banks pretty heavily for the last month or two um with everything that's going on and the capabilities that we have for this boat and the amount of the amount of days that we run and the trip lengths and everything like that it looks like it's going to be it could be a decent year as far as anything that mainly eats squids, you know, sea bass, yellowtail, halibut, things like that at our local islands. And if we don't know you or if you've never fished with us before, hopefully you want to give us a shot. I mean, come out, give, give us a try, see that, see what we're about. And yeah, we'll hopefully we see a few new faces this year. Absolutely. And I know both, both of our trips with CCA are still, uh, have spent, have room available. Uh, once again, that's going to be an overnight with Sean on the pride, June 11th to the 12th for our LA chapter. You can just go on CCACalifornia.org to book there. And we also got charter challenge coming up in October, which, uh, I know I'm, I'm looking forward to that one. Yeah, that'll, that'll be fun. Uh, I believe that's in October. I mean, that time of the year, you, we could really be doing anything. I mean, I'm, I'm not, I haven't really got into detail with you on how the whole, like the whole species and is it like by, is it by weight or is it by length or is it all kinds of fish or I don't, I, you know, I don't really know all of that, but I mean, the opportunity for multiple species and multiple types of fishing could definitely be there in October. I and mean, we could be spending one day at start them on, start out on the banks, you know, fish bluefin, do a couple rock cod drops, catch our, catch our limit of reds and then go into San Clemente Island or SBI and target yellows and calicos for day two. Like there's, there's going to be a lot of different options. Yeah. And this year, especially it's going to be a two day trip. So plenty of time to fish. That's going to be awesome. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. And one more question for you, Sean, how much are you looking forward to work with Mr. Mike Morrison? (laughs) So I've known Mike for a really long time. I, I knew him when he basically first started out there and he was just like, didn't really know anything about the whole sport fishing scene mm-hmm. and where he's at now. He's definitely, he's definitely taken advantage of every opportunity that he's been given and he does a great job there. You know, all we got to do is just call up and say, Hey, we want to do this. And they typically work with whoever that, whichever boat, if they want to do whatever, you know, they work with us. Um, I know all those guys very well. I've, I've worked, I've, I worked with Jeff Jessup as a deckhand for a, a lot of years on the outrider and on the ultra a little bit. And I don't, I don't know Mark, Mark Paisano very, very well, but I'm getting to know him. He's, he's a really nice guy. And his son, Mark Paisano jr. Who runs the Amigo, uh, with Jeff Jessup. They're all really good guys. And we're looking forward to working with all those boats. Um, hopefully, you know, the Thunderbird and all those guys in that Northern sector. We're looking forward to it. Awesome, man. Well, one more time, how do we get in touch with you? How do we book a trip on the pride? So as of right now, our website is not done. There is a pride charters uh, website. That's Jason Zanor's the old owner. That was his old website. Um, but if you would like to book a trip, all you have to do is call me personally. I'm handling all the bookings. Uh, for our charters at 
5128. Um, that's my cell number. I have it on me at all times. If I don't answer, you can leave a voicemail or send a text. Um, or you can call 22nd Street Landing. Uh, obviously, prefer if you just call me so I can handle directly the booking straight. But if you can't get a hold of me and you really want to book a, a trip, you can go on 22nd Street Landing um, online. Uh, we have our updated schedule about once a week. I update it with any trips that we've added. Um, if you see a date that's not in there, just call me personally or call 22nd Street Landing. Uh, I believe it's 310-832-8304 is uh, 22nd Street. And uh, we'll get you on the boat. And if you don't have a group that you can gather, uh, definitely be on the lookout. We'll be posting on our Facebook, on our Instagram, which is just Pride. I believe it's Pride Sport, Pride Sport Fishing um, on Facebook or Instagram. Uh, and we'll be posting up our open party schedules as we get them. Um, we're not going to be main, you know, we're not going to be a big time open party boat, but we will throw on some limited load two day trips throughout the year, um, here and there. And then there might be some last minute one day trips, uh, as a overflow boat, but you can just call me directly or call 22nd street. And then, uh, once we get our website up and running, it'll be pridesportfishing.com. Excellent. Sean, great to see you, man. Thank you so much for being here. Definitely. Definitely. Thank, thank you for having me. And uh, me and my partner, Michael Potvin, are looking forward to seeing old faces and new faces out there this year. The more people that we can, that we can have out on, on the boat and show a great time, the, you know, the better. Right on. Thank you, man. Really appreciate that. Guys, thank you so much for joining us this week on the CCA Cal podcast. Also, don't, don't forget ccacalifornia.org join cca for 35 dollars a year also follow us on facebook and instagram at coastal conservation association of california on facebook and cca california on instagram thank you so much for joining us this week we will see you next week